family and friends make choices that we're disappointed with, and we come away hurt, and we feel like, how can I trust them ever again? You may have caught yourself saying that one time or another. And you know what? It's true. Leaders, human leaders, will let you down. Whether it's me, whether it's your wonderful church staff or elders, whether it's your bosses at work, your friends, we make mistakes. But that's not all. Because as we've looked at now three weeks, this is our fourth week's fourth week into our study of Ephesians, what happens when we're disappointed is we are divided. We're moved separately and we go our separate ways or there's a division in our heart that prevents us from enjoying right relationship one with another and one with God. That's survival, we would call it. We keep it to ourselves, but in our hearts we're divided. I don't want to be around this person. They don't deserve, they not, you know, fill in the blank. You ever been there? You're wrestling with that right now, maybe? It's hard. But see, God created us. Remember what we talked about last week? We are his handiwork, his masterpiece. And the God of all creation, the God of the universe, the God of heaven and earth, enthroned and enclosed in majesty, wants more from us than survival. He wants us to be his church. He wants us to be his light in these dangerously dark times. He doesn't just want that, he expects it. And he doesn't just expect it, he shows us what it's supposed to be like through a life that's hidden in Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, seeking out to God our Father in every situation and trusting in his word. So today, we're going to look at what it means to thrive as a church family. And I promise you that there are things in here that you might not like hearing it said. And there are things here that you might find tremendously comforting. Praise the Lord for both. Because God's word can rip us to shreds as we deal with our own issues. And he can bind us back together in love to one another as ways that only he can do. And so I invite you to open your Bibles or just listen along as I read a rather lengthy passage today. I'm going to read it once. And you can follow with me. And then I'm just going to highlight. You'll notice your sermon notes look a little differently today. If you didn't get a copy of your sermon notes or a bulletin, would you raise your hand because you're going to want them. We're going to do it a little differently. Sorry, Charles, I forgot to give you a warning ahead of time. Um, If you're needing sermon notes, you're going to notice that the front of those sermon notes is just the text. Why? Because sometimes when we hold up this, we're afraid to mark it up, right? Well, I want to show you today that you have freedom to write all over the word. Take notes, circle, mark up, highlight what sticks out because it's God's word relevant to you right now. So as I read the scripture, if you have a writing implement, write up what sticks out. You know, I want you to do something. Even as I read Ephesians 2, 11 through 3, 13, Mark words that you see repeated, because when Paul specifically repeats things, he wants you to know this is really important. The second thing I want you to do is look for themes. 
This is one big theme that Paul is getting at in this passage. That's why it's a little more lengthy. And I want you, if you're not willing to highlight in the Bible app, feel free to highlight digitally. That's okay too. Or write in your Bible. Use that sermon sermon note sheet that you've got to mark up and hide in your heart God's word. So Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 11, says this. Therefore, I said all that to say this. Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, which he put to death, by which he put to death their hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely... You have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I've already written briefly. In reading this, then, you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations as it now has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. If you're not paying attention, when Paul says together three times in one sentence, it's important. You got that? Let's keep going. We're almost done. I become a servant of this gospel I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, given me through the working of his power. Although I'm less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now, Through the church, you might want to underline that, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. 
in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, do not be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Lord, your word is rich, and there is much here that we could learn and apply. So I ask that our hearts would be attentive to you today, that we would be focused, and that you would teach us how to thrive as a church. In your name I pray, amen. Well, let's go back briefly. You had some homework last week, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand and tell us how great you are. But I want to remind you that last week I said a couple things that I hope you followed up on. One, make a list of, it was hard, 10 whole reasons why God is great. You should be able to come up with thousands. But we started with 10. Based on some body language, maybe we didn't do that homework last week. So let me remind you, try it again this week. Try it again as soon as the service ends. Tell somebody, hey, I'm going to tell you 10 ways God is great. Just do it. It'll remind you of who you're following and whose you are. Second, we were reminded to do some good work. Not because we have to, but out of love for God who has lavished us with his love, we want to give that love away by helping others. I got to see some of you doing it in a variety of ways this this week, and I want to say great job. Keep it up. I'm not going to stand up here and publicly name you out and thank you. I'll let the Lord do that. But here's the thing. We have the opportunity to show the world we care by how we treat one another. And as I read the newspaper each day, I actually read about four newspapers each day, it's become very, 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 very clear that the value of humanity has been downgraded that we are much more known for what we are against as humans than who we are for. It's been become increasingly clear that the loudest voices are the ones we're listening to and that we're not finding ways to consider others better than ourselves. Rather, we're finding ways to show people how we disagree with them. And we find ourselves as a world divided all sorts of ways whether it be defining ourselves by what we believe about this issue or that one, or where we sit on this or that, or where we live or the color of our skin. And that wasn't so different from what was facing the church in Ephesus and the early church across the board. Because Paul and those traveling with him and those church planters around that part of the world were doing something that had never been done. They were saying God's promises are for all people. Jews had said, no, 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 God only wants us. And they had lost sight of the fact that God named them his chosen people to show the world back home to God, that they weren't supposed to hide and be completely alienated from the world. The Jews did that, not God. God expected his people to be light in a dark world, to show people his greatness. And so Paul is writing in a time when the Jews are over here, And the Gentiles are over here. And Paul is preaching boldly to the Gentiles, but there is still much division on who can do what. And I wondered to myself, have you ever felt left out? Have you ever walked into a place where you feel really out of place? 
Well, let me take you back to a time in all of your lives when I bet you you felt this way. If you went to school and you were about 11, 12, or 13, all sorts of changes were happening in your life, right? And people acted in ways that were unpredictable. And people suddenly cared about things like popularity and where you sat at the lunch table or who you talked to or who talked to you. And I don't know if you were anything like me, but I was the smallest. You know, that's why I love living here. I'm not so small. (laughs) But where I lived, I was really small. And I would walk in and I would feel small. And I went to a fairly decent-sized school and there would be 300 seventh graders eating lunch at the same time. And I remember, even though I knew where I was going to sit, just walking in, thinking, oh, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact, don't make eye contact. And I felt so outside. And I can remember one of those first times when somebody looked at me and said, Mike, come on, we've got a seat for you. And it was just like, oh, somebody wants me. The early church was wrestling with how do we tell people we want them and do we want them. It was a very real issue for them. How do I know that? Well, if you look at 11, 12, and 13 of Ephesians chapter 2, you see Paul reminding us that we were separated. The, the word originally was translated in the Revised Standard and the English Standard and all these, a lot of translations saying you were alienated. You did not belong. That makes you feel good, doesn't it? You walk in, it's like if I'd gone and I'd tried to sit down at that lunch table and somebody scooted over so that I couldn't sit there and it's another way of saying, you don't belong here. You're not good enough. And apart from Jesus Christ, that's true. But see, the early church was wrestling with that idea of Jew and Gentile and were they supposed to be together? And the answer is yes. That's why Jesus came, to break the veil, to conquer sin and death, and bring people into a new covenant in his blood for the forgiveness of sins. Remember? When he instituted the Lord's Supper, that's exactly what he reminded us of. But the church was wrestling, and the Jews that believed in Jesus were wrestling. How are we together when this old covenant says this? What do we do? And so Paul writes this letter, and he wants to be very clear that people remember their foreign former days. They remember who they were before Jesus. You were defied, divided. And the same is true for us today. Before we came to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were separated from God. We did not have access to him. Why? Because sin divides us. Not God. Sin divides us from him because God cannot look upon sin. Why? God is holy, okay? holy, blameless, pure, righteous. He is right all the time. Much like your wife if you're married. But even better, no. God is always holy, always pure, and cannot be defiled. Unfortunately, his chosen people did not live up to his expectations, and they could not, they would not, and they did not. And therefore, God had already put in place a plan to bring back all who would call on the name of Jesus to be saved. And that was through the cross. And so Paul is writing in light of the cross happening 
30 years ago. And Paul is teaching the church, you have got to understand who you are. You have got to understand the word together, the word fellowship, and the word unity. And so he starts here. But now, in Christ Jesus, you once who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You couldn't do it. You couldn't look at your neighbor and say, hey, yo, bro, we're together now. Didn't work that way. We needed one to do it for us. God, in Jesus Christ, gave us access. He took away the alienation from sin, and he took away the alienation that separated the Jews from the rest of humanity. He broke down that wall. And Paul is wanting people to remember you were separated, but Jesus brought you together. Do you know that to be true? Do you believe that by God's grace we've been brought together as one family? We know it, but it can be hard at times. And it was hard for the early church because there were so many reasons to be known and to be divided. And so Paul goes on and he says in verse 14, he's explaining, he's giving it more depth. And he's showing us there's more to this. You need to understand. And he says, for he himself is our peace. You're not going to get along if you don't know the peace of God in your hearts. The peace of God that says you are no longer an alien. You've been bought with a price and you are now a member of the family. You're part of this. You're together. You're unified. And that peace, remember in the Hebrew, we would call that shalom. It's not just a greeting. Hey, shalom. It's this peace that goes beyond our understanding that encompasses everything about us and how we live. Have you ever met a person that's really, really at peace? They're frustrating, aren't they? Don't they frustrate you? Because no matter what's going on, they're like, yeah, these are difficult days. But God, he's got this. I know, but so much is going wrong. Yeah, but God. Couldn't we all learn from that? That he himself is our peace? He doesn't tell me, Mike, you have all the answers. He tells me, peace I leave with you and peace I give you. Whoa, that's a pretty great way to live. Am I doing it? No, I'm very easily distracted. (laughs) That's why Paul wrote this. Remember, it's the peace of God that transcends all understanding that will guard your hearts and minds. Paul wrote that too. He has destroyed that barrier, the barrier separating Jew from Gentile, sin from righteousness. Sin is always dividing, but God made a way for it to be thrown away. God made a way for it to be conquered. The dividing wall of his purpose, of hostility, his purpose was to create in himself, through Jesus Christ, one new humanity. How important is that today? To understand that We are one in Christ Jesus. Doesn't the world need that message more than anything else? Don't we need to know that it is him that ties us together, that binds us together, that brings us, look at what it says next. One humanity out of the two. Remember, he's talking Jew and Gentile. And I'm going to show you how big this divide was in just a second. Thus making, what's that word? Peace. Again, we're reminded that it is his peace made for us that we can live in. 
We can live in his peace. You should be circling that in your Bibles because it's so important. And in one body to reconcile both of them, Jew and Gentile, all people to God through the cross. Now, I want to try to give you a mental picture for a second, if that's okay. Real simple. You see, sin divides, right? The first thing we needed and the reason Jesus came was to give us access to God through himself. Jesus made the way for our vertical relationship with God to be corrected, to be healed. We were reconciled to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have forgiveness. We have been set free and we wear the very righteousness of God because of what Jesus has done. But he didn't stop there. And that's where a lot of Christians wish he would stop. And that's why a sentence is said often today is, I don't need the church. I love Jesus. You are wrong. Because that is not all of the work of Jesus Christ. And I love the example of the cross because it's so clear that not only did God restore us to a vertical relationship with God, but he united us together as one through himself. He brings us together around his loving arms and through his pain, his sacrifice, and his victory over sin and death at the cross so that not only do we have access to God, we have peace with one another. There's a problem, and it's been going on in the entire history of the church. We lose sight of this relationship with each other. We get distracted by what divides. And we focus okay on this one sometimes, but we forget to be marked by who we are in Christ and that we can welcome others in with grace and truth. And Paul is addressing that directly. Why? Because at the the time of Paul's writing, this is what the early church wrestled with. This is Herod's temple, okay? This was the the new temple that the Jews would worship in. And I want you to see something. You can't read all the writing up there. But if you could, you would notice there are layers of access. The temple there is the holy place, way, way, way in the back. And then you've got the priest's courtyard. So the Levitical priests, they had access to that, but no one else. Then you move a little further away and you see on the screen up in the top or in the middle right, the Israelites' courtyard. If you were an Israelite male, you had access there, okay? So this access thing was a very, 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 very standard understanding. Because then you get out, okay, you might be a woman and a Jew. Well, there's space for you outside that gate of Nicanor, but there's space for you out there. Now, what about the rest of us? Where do we have to go? We have to go out one more wall and then we have to go out past the gate beautiful to get to here, to the Gentiles' courtyard. That was where those of us that were not Jewish by blood could could worship. That was our place, no closer. That was the understanding the early church was wrestling with. I thought Jesus came for the Jew and for the Gentile. How come we're standing way out here? What do we do with that? And Paul is saying, Jesus ripped it down. 
All those walls of division are gone. When Paul dares use the word access, he's essentially saying everybody can walk straight into the temple together because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Those walls of division have to be torn down. And church, that's our job, to show people who we are together, not how we're divided. And this is the heart of what Paul's writing. Look at what he says next. You go down to verse 18 of chapter 2, and he reminds us, for through, not because of our great work, look, look, he doesn't say that, for through him, we both have, what's that word? Access to the Father by one spirit. I want to tell you a story that I think helps us understand this a little bit. A couple years ago, um, I was given a gift of being able to go watch professional golf. Uh, and the year I went to watch, actually I go every year, but this particular year was really special because I was given access. I was given this special card that allowed me into the clubhouse. And actually, I don't think we were supposed to sit there. We didn't find out till later, but we walked in and we had a seat and ordered some food in this special area of the special clubhouse that I had this one day special access to. Can you notice that I felt very special and it was pretty cool. And it's a Saturday, and the, the golf tournament's going in full swing, and in walks this guy, pretty big guy, actually. And I look at him, and I'm like, oh, that's Justin Rose. By the way, my last name is Rose. And I'm sitting there, and he is like as close as Louise to me. I'm like, do I talk to him? I want to talk to him. And so finally, I worked up the courage, and I said, hi, Justin. And he said, Hi. And he had just finished his round of golf. And I think I said, great round. Good luck tomorrow. And he went on to win the tournament because of that, because of that interaction, which is in no way true. But for that brief moment, I was in and I got to meet and shake Justin Rose's hand. And by the way, because of his last name, he's been my favorite golfer forever. And it was just the greatest thing. And now he's a gold medalist all again, because he met me. But see, I had the right ticket and I had access and I got to meet my favorite golfer. But Paul is saying, wait a minute. It's not about a ticket. It's about a relationship. You can't earn the right to that ticket. It's already been done for you through Jesus Christ. Through what he has done, if you truly understand the Christian faith, you understand that you have fellowship with God. You are made right with him, not because of you, but because of him. And so why are you so worried about access? It's been given to you through Jesus Christ. You can talk to God as Jesus talked to God. Remember how he taught us to pray? Our Father, Abba, Daddy, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jesus was saying, we can talk directly to him. We're not needing the priests to do it for us. We have access. Not only that, but we, the church, are supposed to be in it together. We're supposed to be living, showing the world we belong. But sometimes we feel like we don't have access. Sometimes so many obstacles by humanity makes us feel like, is this what it's really like to follow Jesus? And that's where those phrases like, come in that that say, I don't need the church, I just need Jesus. 
I understand where you're coming from. I understand sometimes the church has put tremendous roadblocks in front of us that we won't always understand. And I'm saying publicly and with all truthfulness that I possibly can, AIC is committed to being as transparent and as full of grace and as full of energy and excitement at following God as we possibly can be. But we will make mistakes and we will not always have all the answers. But this I promise you, whoever the pastor is, because I know your leadership, we will continue to follow hard after God. And we are asking you to walk with us toward Jesus Christ. But we're also asking you to come together as one body, even when we don't have all the answers. A number of you have continued to ask, what's going on with the church plant over at Christian Alliance International School, Butterfly Valley? And my simple answer is real brief. We have presented a proposal to them of what a church plant there could look like that would allow us to continue to minister here. Now we're waiting on them. That's what we know. We will invite some of you to be part of a church planting team when it's an appropriate time. And we will continue on in seeking to make improvements here. We know the walls are broken and we're trying to work through the right scenarios to correct them in the right ways. But here's the thing. We're going to do it together and we're going to keep you as informed as we can because we're together and you are valuable to God and you are valuable to each other and we are one body and we're going to see ourselves that way. No longer, look at the next slide, no longer as foreigners and strangers. We're in this together. We're following the Lord together as fellow citizens with God's people. Jew, Gentile, Greek, slave, free, we are his people. That should get us an amen. (laughs) Maybe it shouldn't. That was weak. Okay, I'm going to go on. We are God's people, members of his household. (laughs) A little better. Do you remember the first time you went back to your childhood home after you were an adult and had moved out? Anybody remember that? You went right back in and just made yourself at home, right? as long as mom and dad hadn't turned your room into an office. But you just sat down, you put your feet up. It was like the rules that were always the same. You were comfortable. Maybe some of you still need to leave the house. I don't know. But the thing is, you knew the place. You were part of that household, even though you had moved out. But see, sometimes the church has operated like, I don't know about you. You might not belong. This passage is teaching us that we are to chase down anyone we can to let them know there is space for them at the foot of the cross. That we are together as one family. In our church family today, right now, as I look out, I know we have people from obviously Hong Kong, obviously, hopefully mainland China. We have at least a couple of Americans, because well, I'm speaking and I have children. Uh, we have people from uh, places like Australia, New Zealand, the United Kingdom and all its counterparts, South Africa, the Philippines, uh, Malaysia, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. Yet here's the thing. You ready for it? We are 18 different nationalities, right? Is anybody working with me here? Let me try this again. Okay, there's a couple people. You ready? You ready? We are... I don't want to confuse you and make you think 11, but... (laughs) 
each side of the room. We are one body, members of his household, making ourselves at home because we have access to the Father through the Son by life in the Spirit. What does all of that mean? It means we have the power to live great big lives to show the world what greatness is ours to behold through Jesus Christ. And we are invited into that. We are invited, look at that word. You belong here. And you belong to one another. Why do I believe in church membership? Because of this verse. I believe, and we're going to offer a church membership course later on uh, uh, this fall. And the reason I find it so important is that we're stating publicly, just as in baptism we're saying we are his followers. We are part of the family of God. Membership, while it's not stated explicitly in the Bible, gives us that chance to say, hey, I belong to the church and we belong to each other and I'm going to use my gifts and I'm going to let people know that I am accountable to that family and we belong to one another in right relationship and we're going to fight to protect that and we're going to show the world what that means. That's why I'm a proponent of church membership because it reminds us that we're in this together. We go on though because it's, Paul then re- reminds us that a lot of people didn't understand the mystery of grace. This was a new concept. We had to have atonement for our sins and we had to pay the price. And so all of a sudden now we're told that we have access like me. I'm the least of these. Paul is saying that. I persecuted Jews. I persecuted Christian Jews. I persecuted anyone I could find that said they would be a follower of the way. And yet Jesus brought me back. He's saying if he could do that for me, my job is to tell you he can do that for you. And the mystery isn't so mysterious. It's the greatness of God. Manifest, made known through Jesus Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out into the world. This mystery is that God brings people together. Isn't that cool? God brings us together. One body. And look, we can even share. Isn't that cool? sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. What is the promise in Jesus Christ? Full life that lasts forever, together with the brothers and sisters, for all eternity. How great is that? I want a life that's bigger than drudgery. I want a life that's bigger than just punching a clock and worried about what everyone else thinks. I want a life that says, I got to show people the greatness of God. And I got to enjoy him together with my friends and family because they saw how amazing he is, not by my own strength, but because of him. And we're going to show the world what that means. We are an international church, and so we have partnerships all over the world. Two weeks ago, I told you, or last week, I told you I was going to tell you about a trip Pastor Stan and Doug and I were on. We were in the Philippines, and we were getting ready to take as many of you as we possibly can. And some of you, that's home, I know but to Quezon City in the Philippines to serve that area in whatever way would benefit the kingdom work already going on there. Not to go in and say, look at AIC, we're so much better than you. No. In fact, I'd gone in and I'd made a covenant with the Lord that I would not say a single thing we could do until I listened to what Pastor Benji and his team said first. But in my mind, you know, because I'm a planner, I had three things that I thought AIC was uniquely situated and that if we got on board together, we could really serve the, 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 the family there. 
And so we sat down around dinner. I had ordered a ton of food. And I said, so if we, if we came and served you, what, what could that look like? And I had three things in my mind. Literally the first three things they said were what God had laid on my heart. You cannot fake that. You cannot fake that we are a uniquely situated church that loves families. And so the first two things they talked of was, Mike, we really want to help moms and especially dads. You mean like you're saying the world needs a father? Yeah, what's that? I would love to tell you all about that. But, but Mike, we also, they're right outside our neighborhood, are just a massive community of kids that they don't have any money to go to school. They have nothing to do during the day and they're living in poverty. And we want to give them access to the church, but they don't know they have access and we don't have enough help to invite them in. So, so maybe we could like do a little three-day children's festival and, and bring them in and help and, and support and love them. Yeah, that's exactly what we could do. Do we have anybody that could do that? Yeah, I think we might. And, and what about the idea of we just don't have a lot of help and there's things around the church facility that need maintained and need renovated. And if somebody could just come in that knows how to use some tools and could help us, it would be good. So, so you, you need people that are good with tools and maybe even contractors and, and the like, or you know, people that maybe they're not a contractor, but they know how to use a paintbrush. Yeah, well, I think I could find some of those. And all of the sudden, everybody in AIC's church family was invited into the mission because there was a fourth thing. Maybe your schedule and your timing wouldn't allow for you to serve. You could serve by making it possible for others to go. Your giving could help send a team to serve our sister church, the Community of Christ Alliance Church in Quezon City. How cool a name is that? The Community of Christ of which we're talking about right now. So go ahead and mark your calendars, April 5th, through the 8th, April 4th, the night of, we would fly out Wednesday night. Now, get this, Thursday's a public holiday, so you only have to take one day off of work. See, I'm thinking. And it works out really well for them. Are you a teenager? Come. You're welcome. Are you a very, very, very senior adult? Come. You are welcome. Are you really crazy busy? I dare you to take a step out in faith and see what God might do. If you say, here I am. I promise you we won't work you to death. And I promise you your life will be as changed as the people we go to serves are. So you are invited. Why? Because we, <clears throat> we belong together. And we belong using our gifts for his glory. And if this trip doesn't work out, come with us to China. Come with us to the other places we serve. The point is... Keep using your gifts for God's glory, reminding yourself and others that we're in this together with a message from the Lord. We've got this message. We've got this treasure of in jars of clay. And while it doesn't quite mean this, I love the picture of we want to crack open that jar of clay so the world can see the treasure. And the message that should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm is that God is bringing us together and he's bringing people back to himself through jesus christ and what's the job of the church to bring people back not to kick them out a message from the lord is very clear that says in him and through faith in him we can approach god with freedom and confidence 
we can come to God with all of our cares, knowing that he cares for us. We can come to him saying, Lord, I don't know how to talk to this person about you. I love you and I love them, but I just, I don't get it. And he's saying, just, just bring them to me and I'll work with you. And we're in this together. We have access to God that we can approach him with freedom and with confidence. God, help me. And what does James teach us? He will. What do we learn? When we cry out to him, he answers. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he inclined to me and he heard my cry. Inclined. It's a weird word. We don't use it in English very much today. You know what it means? Leaned down got right in there and heard our cry. And he made a way for us to be united to him and to each other once again through the powerful work of Jesus Christ. We can approach him with safety and with freedom. When you worship, if you grew up in one tradition, you might worship like this. If you grew up in another tradition, you might dance and I'm not going to try. But when we come together worshiping God our Father, it should be known that we do it with confidence knowing he is hearing us because he loves us and he's bought us with a price and we get access to him. We get to walk into the Holy of Holies and say, here I am, Lord, use me. So as we work through Ephesians, look at what we can remember. First, grace empowers us to move forward. We can't do it on our own. We need the grace of God to take that next step. We also need the vision from the Lord that says, Lord, I can't see past this point, but I trust in you. That's faith. I will trust in you and I will act based on what you're telling me to do. Next, this is what we see today. Peace brings us together for change. Peace expects us to change. It expects us to go out into the world and bring people in. And that might be unnatural, but it's what we do. And then reconciliation. When we understand the depth of the fact that we've been bought, that we have been made right with God through Jesus Christ, it makes us want to give that peace away. We've been reconciled and we want others to understand that same freedom that we have. And so we live freely with confidence, knowing we have access to the most powerful being ever. And we say, here I am. There's some action points in your sermon notes today that I encourage you to look at, to consider, and to act upon. Not because you have to, but because it's the right way to follow the Lord. And it's a joy to consider what peace means and how to give that peace away. Then discuss it. Talk to your friends. Talk to your family. Talk to your enemies. How could we maybe possibly live at peace one with another? It's not always easy, is it? But the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and minds. And we know as the church, as one body, we know something. You know what we know? We are his and we are together. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth that binds us together in love and in power and in unity. I pray that AIC would be known as a church that follows you passionately and freely and welcomes everyone in. 
In your name I pray.